Welcome back to the Boundary Corner Podcast. I'm Curtis Wilson. I'm Brian Siegler, buddy. Sunday night, um, we watched the Richmond game yesterday. We did. It was a W, but how we feeling? (laughs) How we feeling, man? Um, A 21-10 win, probably the second ugliest win to an FCS team since Fuente's been here. Furman was obviously the worst when literally, if not for a procedure penalty, they could have recovered an onside kick. Um, Not great. Not great at all. Um, Everyone will also see my head turn like this quite a few times tonight as the 49ers are playing, and they're not doing great either. Throwing picks, down only 10 somehow. But, you know, Brian – it's it seems like it's a similar thing when there is lower competition coaching staff can't get guys up to go for blood and it's a it's a continued it's no longer it's a trend now it's no longer a well just this no it's a trend and you hate to see it because games like this you know man it's, yeah. it's it's crucial for getting younger players on field to see actual speed of game. Yeah. Uh, this is supposed to be one of those games where you get guys on the field um, that are going to be one of those guys that are going to red shirt, but you want to get, get their four games in there. But in their, their four games, you want to have one game like this where they see, you know, at least a solid 15 or 20 snaps, right? Exactly. That, that'd be ideal. Get get guys out there. Get, let them see at least you know t- probably two live series, right? Um, and we didn't get to do mm-hmm. that. It was it was a, like we had to run the clock out against Richmond. Against that, Richmond. That, that's that's so. where we are at this point. We we were out there with with our starting offense running the clock out against Richmond, so they didn't have a chance to get a last minute score and then go for an onside kick, uh, which exactly. would have put us in in Furman territory, right? It would have been in Furman territory. Um, they would have had a score, then get to kick. So yeah. not quite there, but still an 11 point win is even over a good FCS team like Richmond is, it's not great. Now what we're going to do guys, before we jump into some observations from the game, we're going to go back and we're going to talk about two quotes that was made last Monday by coach Wente, and then two post game quotes. So, Brian, I'm just going to read them off, so a lot to unload, and then we're going to get into it. Last Monday, we we said this on Wednesday's podcast concerning red zone offense and kind of offense in general. We stunk. You don't go down there three times and come away with nothing and not reevaluate and talk about and look at all aspects of it top to bottom. We weren't very good. Then the next quote. But I would also say there's nobody better at ironing out the minutia it takes to give our guys a chance to be successful than Brad. Tone was a little bit different Saturday after the game. And these were Coach Fuente's quotes, not making these out of thin air. The offense struggled. We were pretty inconsistent, to say the least. We haven't not been consistent enough to score like this, and we need to score as the season goes along. Well, Tone, change in demeanor, huh, Brian? Yeah, uh, it's one thing to struggle offensively against what is 
as we saw this week uh, against Oklahoma, a pretty solid West Virginia defense overall. Um, That's one thing. It it was a road game. It was a big test, you know, whatever. You're at home against Richmond. Yep. You can't put up 21 points. No. And, sorry, 14 offensive points. 14 offensive points. You well, just can't. I mean, no, it's, it's <laughs> unacceptable. And to, to hear the change in the tone of being inconsistent and, you know, we've got to kind of find something, it sounds like the stuff on Monday was lip service to the press, lip service to the fans, the fans that are still completely on his side. And it went to Saturday just saying, we're inconsistent. Essentially, he came out and just said it. We're not good on offense. And then he said, we cannot continue to be bad on offense because we're going to have to score in certain games as we look ahead, Um, especially starting Notre Dame two weeks or 13 days from now. Yep. So the, the question is, will he follow through with anything? And... Again, if I take the stuff from Monday and then the stuff from Saturday, there was a change in tone at least. Yeah, you you see the change in tone. At some point, we just got to – there's just got to be ownership because I know we talk about this a lot. We talk about, you know, the difference between the play calling issues, the execution issues. It all goes back to coaching. And – if you're not getting it done on the field consistently, there's a coaching problem. Well, hold on. Can, can we just look real quick, college football world? Auburn's first-year head coach, first-year head yep. coach, hired his fired his wide receiver coach today. We're four games in a season, and he's already fired somebody. Yeah. I mean, if if you're not cutting the mustard, you gotta go. This is this is Division One football. This isn't the uh, the frat boy club. No, um, <laughs> it's Division One football, and you're getting paid a lot of money. And I'm gonna say this because, in terms of the play calling, this was not a awful game by Brad. But the problem that we have is that this is essentially the quarterback, more or less, handpicked by Brad Cornelson. Yep. Brad Cornelson is the offensive coordinator for Justin Fuente. Brad Cornelson coach. has had he is also the quarterback's coach. The area where we are struggling the most right now is two areas, right? Yep. So we haven't been able to run the ball consistently, but our offensive line has been a fucking patchwork, and our hand-picked quarterback is struggling to find open receivers. And you're saying open receivers, not throwing into tight windows, not seeing the reads. We're talking guys who are open. And he did a better job Saturday, and we'll get into him. But it's still going back to what the tone has been with us and what that tone was Monday compared to what that tone was Saturday. He has to do something, and he has to – Justin Fuente needs to verbally come out and say something is changing. Don't, don't, Don't try to hide it because the thing is we're smart enough fans and there's more smart fans there that are going to see if you start calling plays. They're going to see you have the play sheets. If Notre Dame comes and we're tearing it up and they show you six times and you consistently have a play sheet there, 
we, we know. Yeah. Say it. Because if you're saying it, you're admitting there's a problem, right? Yeah, and that, that, that's been the big big thing is that this this is kind of close to saying there's a problem, but you know the, the first the first instance of trying to solve a problem is admitting that there is one. Yep. And that's what we have not done consistently, is that we haven't yeah. Coach Fuente has not went up there and said, There is a problem, we're gonna try to take care of it. Yeah. And the, you know the sadder part, Brian? And this is this is kind of what I want to make a point about he literally he is friends with this guy there's no doubt about it you don't keep someone in your life roughly what 15 16 years yeah and not have a friendship he is doing his friend a disservice because the thing is when this ends and i you know it's going to end one way or the other in a few short months when this ends, him not getting on him earlier, taking away responsibilities, trying to highlight what he does good, what he does bad, people are going to look like we're not hiring you. Like we, we looked at what you had offensively. You should have been scoring 35-plus a game, and you have some great designs. But did people never tell you you were wrong in your life? Yeah, and and that's the issue is that, you know, as you said, he's going to struggle to find work after this because you're putting a product on the field that consistently has played down to competition, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Like how, how effective we are on offense is almost dictated by the strength of the opponent we're playing. And that, that should never be the case. You know, you can, we can talk about the situational play calling and we can talk about all that other stuff because that, but, yeah. but that's individual focuses. The big problem and the big picture I have is that we don't seem to have a good grasp of what we want from the quarterback position and how to develop it. Yeah. And once we put the product on the field, for whatever reason, that unit almost like clockwork playing to the strength of whatever the opponent is. We're not going out there and dictating terms to to folks that we have. The strength of our roster is significantly higher than that of the opponent. Mm -hmm. And that's on the individual who's doing that. And again, like I've said now numerous times that I'm kind of making my stand on it, it's Justin more than it's Brad. I'm past Brad now. And it's Justin, you have to do something. Yeah, I mean, there there hasn't been a change. And, you know, I I will say it again, the, the thing that, is for me and the reason why I say this is this is coaching, not just player execution. Players not executing in a one-off scenario, so like one game here, one game there. Yeah, that happens regardless of what the coaches are doing. Having consistently this problem crop up multiple times a year, every year, that's mm-hmm. a coaching thing. It's telling me your coaching methodology. This is it's showing his. Coaching slash teaching methodology is not a good, is not good. It, you know, you hate to say it, Brian, but, you know, you've seen some people who essentially go to school to become teachers, right? And they start getting into those teaching method classes and lesson planning and what you do in the classroom, and they don't know what to do, yeah. right? They don't. Like, 
like I know the subject matter, and it's like, okay, but you're teaching somewhere between a five-year-old, or if you get into the collegiate level, people in their 20s, and you know, even grad school in their 30s, you, if you do not know how to teach them, then it, it doesn't matter if you know how to do it all, or you know yeah. exactly what's going to happen. And I'll always go back to my experiences. I mean, I'll be straight up. I failed geometry. I always felt the teacher, like, my style didn't work. Next year, took it again. Got a 98 average. It was like a new teacher knew how to present it better. Light bulb moment. A light bulb moment. And 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 I think that's the, what you're kind of saying here is it's, it's because we've seen it even when Gerard was here five years ago. There were some games where there were some things that were done that just didn't look right. Yeah, and after you take a guy of his talent level out, you saw a little more Josh Jackson. You saw it a hell of a lot more with Ryan Willis because of not having the mobility. Yep, and then it it really showed displayed Willis in nineteen. You had Hooker come in, and believe it, say what you will. We go through twenty nineteen, and as we get near the end of the season, it shows its face, right. Last year, we'll throw that out, but still, it was teaching. We had games where we were doing some just in things that boggled you, and you're just like, why? Teaching. So, yeah. he might be a guy that understands offensive design, how to get players open. He doesn't understand situational play calling, and the way it's looking, the evidence is mounting more and more, right, Brian? Yeah. He he can't teach and coach the position. Yeah, I mean it, it's it's getting to a point now when we look at the entire big picture of the quarterback situation since Justin Fuente and Brad Cornelson have been in Blacksburg. It's it's been a complete cluster and and I'm not just saying the play. The play has at times been good. But the whole situation around how we get there has been a cluster. You have, you know, you, you bring in Gerard, and, and, th- and that worked out great for a season, but there were still some some, some things that you were looking at. And it was like, uh, okay. Uh, but, but he played well. He played his ass off. Um, then you had JJ, and then you have him coming back, getting injured, and then just – there's been so much dysfunction of of the quarterback position. It makes you wonder, like at some at at, at some point where there's smoke, there's fire, right? I mean, you've had Gerard leave early, yeah. you've had JJ transfer out, you've had two other quarterbacks transfer out. Yeah. Like at some point, where there's smoke, there's fire. There's a reason these things are happening. You know, you had Gerard best JUCO quarterback in the country, yep. two other four stars. And they're gone. And then JJ, who was a, at least at, at very, at the very least a solid starter. JJ a solid was starter. Four star. JJ was borderline four star. But the whole piece it goes is, Brian, we can sit here and, you know, talk about that room, but we just kind of look and let, let's just start going through running back position. Yep. We had change when there were issues. Yeah. 
Wide receiver position. Unfortunately, the best coach in the room, we had turnover there. This is essentially the make or break year for that guy, and it's looking more break than make. The offensive line and tight end, say what you will, they have their moments, but overall, good, right? Good. I'd say in the in the scheme of the of the five to six years now, uh, you know, you give them at least a passing grade, right? You give them probably somewhere between a B minus, probably B minus B, not terrible because you're they put some guys in the league. You've had you've had two good years. You've had one great year, a good year, two average years, and then two years that you're like, eh. so B, B minus, and then you look on the other side of the ball and. Obviously, there's been a complete turnover there, a complete turnover. And what what are we seeing? We're seeing our defensive backs. Guys get freshman All-Americans. Jermaine Waller's working his way towards being a high-round draft pick. And Green Bay scored. We need to put Trey Lance in. Just sidebar note. Just do it. Just do it. (laughs) Safeties, you know, we've seen the safety play. I know some people were not impressed with Jayham last year. Safety plays looked better this year. It's not where I want it. And obviously, Jack Tyler coming, Bill and JC, Bill and T- Bill. We've seen turnover at all those positions. Yeah, it's one position. There's one. And, J- and JC wasn't even on the field for this game because of no, the uh, the COVID poll. So there's one position there has been zero turnover in, and super not not average play, not average play, at times failure play. Because I would give that room a D, a solid D. Right. I mean, right now, absolutely. Yeah. It, well, right it's, now, it's borderline F. It's D minus right now in my eyes. It, it's tough. It's, it's, it's tough. tough. All right. Brian, before we uh, get on to looking at some highlights of the game, some things we noticed there, we are going to take a quick pause for a message from our digital partners. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, Brian, let's start with this. Can we just say this and we can argue who who creates it? <laughs> Our opening game drive scripts, 90% of the time are money. I mean, yeah. money. We script a hell of a, uh, a hell of a drive. And then after that, we don't know what to do. And if the script doesn't work, we really don't know what to do. Um, so, for example, of the script not working... Um, see Middle Tennessee State. Yeah. Which look, which, which, when we see the script not working, we also see very plain vanilla. But in this case, Brian, I mean, some just a good mix of pass and runs. What did you see on that uh, opening drive that really caught your eye? What plays? So the big play to Trey out the gate, the little cross country uh, sprint out. Um, good play out the gate to get some big yards, get us on the move. Um, we had outside zone to Holston, uh, 19 yards, got us into the red zone. And then we had play action post to Trey Turner, uh, gets the toe tap there, um, uh, in the back of the end zone, uh, 
good guys up seven nothing. Really good drive out the gate, and everyone in Hokie Nation is thinking, "All right, this is what we like to see." This is, you know, at that point the expectations went, "Okay, this is this is going to be a, a traditional FCS type game. We're going to go out there and, and and make some noise." And then the rest of the game happened. <laughs> Exactly. So we're not going to focus on game by game. We're going to start out here after that. And let's talk about Braxton. We've already mentioned, you know, sort of criticizing the room. Hold on a second. Oh, you let the you let the kicker get you, Cannon. Huge run back. <laughs> get three on the board. Um, let's talk about BB. And we've already mentioned it. Coaching is not all play calling. We've already covered that point. So yep. – but, you know, we've been questioning for weeks, Brian. You know, is he injured? Is he injured? We're not seeing the read option. We're not seeing the read option. I think that's off the table now. It seems so, even though we put some design runs back into the offense this week. Uh, the the read option is still a non-existent factor. Um, yeah, all those handoffs to Holston and Blackshear, I mean, BB's pretty much just carrying out a fake. That's not, that's not him making the decision to keep there. Sure. I'm, I'm thinking. I don't know if they're taking it out to keep him healthy or, or just play it safe or what. But not having that element in our offense is a detriment to the offense. But hold on, if you're, if you're going to say that, Brian, then why are you designing sweeps and having him run a power? If he's truly yeah. like hurt, or you're trying to protect him, you wouldn't even put those in the playbook. You would just say scramble when you can. You would think so. And I think another problem is that, you know, sometimes he's scrambling when he shouldn't. Um, so I'll, yeah. I'll give you an example here. Okay. I'll give you an example here. Second drive. All right. We could have been up 14 nothing because at our 32 yard line, uh, it was about, I think, like eight minutes left in the first quarter. Uh, okay. Play to, uh, ended up, uh, Braxton kept it, ran outside, got a first down. I mean, it looked like a good run, but looking at looking back at it, Caleb ran wide, wide, fucking wide open. The cornerback came on a blitz. The safety jumped in the box, and Caleb Smith is running wide open down the left sideline. And Braxton did not even look his way. And it was open at the snap. It wasn't like it came open. It was open all the way. So even if he doesn't do the launch downfield, he could have hit him like 15 yards in stride and just kept running. If he had looked his way at any point of his drop back, he would have been able to throw the ball to him. Then where's his first read? Where did it look like his first read was? Because it was. It looked like his first was, read was in the middle of the field. Was it right? Because his eyes weren't turned this way. Was was it to his blind side or was it to his face side? So it looked like it. Like I said, it looked like it was right down the like looking down the middle. Oh no, no, I'm asking where did the blitz come from? I'm. You got to remember, I'm the I'm, blitz come from blind side. Okay, okay, so well, still, if he's looking in the middle, and if it's that safety coming down into the box that he should have immediately recognized to go here. Like, why is the safety here? Look left and see. Okay. Let's digress on that. He's missed. I'll, I'll give this to him. 
he's 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 making some he's making some boneheaded reads. Um, so again, we we've already hit on it. What's being discussed behind closed doors? But I'll say this: he gives his guys an opportunity when he gets the passes right. He gives the guys an opportunity to catch the ball. That tray, that deep pass to tray in the second half, right? Yep. And then, like the crossing pattern, some of the plays to Tavion. Think about it. He caught those guys in stride. So when he gets his read and throws on time, it it looks good. The problem is, is that it's so inconsistent with both of those things. And again, at this point, I'm not, I'm not even mad at, at Braxton because either this, this should have been recognized way before. Now we should, we shouldn't be in week four and we're still, at this point, he hasn't been coached enough to say, "Hey, Braxton, you need to keep, you know, be be a little more cognizant of the pocket, not not try to look to run out of the pocket as fast." Hey, make sure you're you're getting these reads. We saw that you missed a couple here. You got to make sure you're going through your progressions before you make a decision to tuck and run or do something different. Yeah, unless because, you're being unless you just the the pressure's there and. You can't yeah. get your second and effect. and sometimes it's just you know antsy feet in the in the pocket like and, that's and, that's, and th- these are coachable things but it hasn't been coached it seems like mm-hmm. keep writing and, on and that. Th- I think that's where my frustration is and and like I said if it was a one off game where we saw some of these things it's, it is you know, it's it's but not it's, 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 it's not that game. it's not it's not one off and we've seen know, it. The Carolina game with the play with Trey, that, that the coverage was blown. He throws it yeah. to them. That game is a lot, um, is a lot easier. Thank you for throwing that. Sorry, <laughs> it's a new in the end zone. Nineteen seconds left. We have no timeouts, but I'm cool with that. There we go. People are going to be like San Francisco fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If the Colts are playing, oh, trust me. When we do this in a few weeks, Brian, with the Colts and Niners playing, that's going to be a fun one for us. Three hours yeah. later. <laughs> yeah, y'all are going to enjoy that one. All right, so Brian's already mentioned it, but where the F is the read option play? It's freaking absolutely killing, killing our run game because there's no threat of it. They're, they're keying in on wherever that running back is going, and they are attacking it. The defensive ends are crashing. And you feel, Brian, if nothing else – if if we just did it one time, lanes would start reopening. And I know this isn't Khalil Herbert. We you know we have some vision problems. Um, you know, uh, I, somebody put one out there today about King missing a wide open hole. But that's again that's a teachable thing. But we're yeah. essentially taking out of our playbook one of the plays that can significantly help this offense and this quarterback. Well, you're 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 putting more pressure on the running backs than you need to. Yes. You're putting more pressure on the offensive line than you need to. And I'm not sure what the end game benefit is for Braxton because he's still running the football in design runs and scrambling. Like, unless you're treating the entire situation with kid gloves, take the training wheels off and let's run this motherfucker. Like at some point, (laughs) at, 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 at some point, we just we we have to take the training wheels off of this offense because we we've seen that he's been struggling picking up 
some of the reads in the passing game, but we're also, we're not fully unleashing his potential in the running game. We're not. And I, and, and we said preseason, we don't want to run him to the point where, where we're, we're getting him hurt because we need, yeah. you know, I, and yeah. I said it last week, the, the problem is, is that this offense is held back by Braxton's play. This offense is also buoyed by Braxton's play because <laughs> of his ability to run the ball. It's, um, it's, a, it's, a, it's the classic, it's a classic catch 22. Exactly. And, but we're, we're still, we're, we're, we're training wheels, the, the running game because we're not using the read option. And it makes it no is, sense. It, it doesn't. No sense because if that was starting, this is me being again the novice, and I say that a lot, folks. But if that read option element was there, easier runs, easier play fakes, easier for for that first read or that second read, because you're running something, guys aren't going to be right in their spots. So instead of having to throw a perfect ball. Can we just catch a freaking ball in the end zone? Um, instead of having to catch a perfect, a throw a perfect ball, you don't. Yeah, and it, it makes no sense. And in by all means, if we come out in two weeks and we are we're doing it, and it's and it's just confusing Notre Dame to no ends. Great, you held it out a month. You also lost a game in that month where we know for a fact that there were somewhere between at least one touchdown and probably forty to fifty more yards if we had held yeah. it. A- times all right yeah that that, that's a big problem um you know when we talk about the read option the big thing that we need to look at is that you know who's paying attention to the to the read option right so we know we know that there's the option guy that and and that defender is always going to have to honor it to a degree um you're probably gonna you, you usually see that kind of squeeze and pop technique uh, that Oregon made famous and, and, and pretty much any, uh, four man front defense that, that, that's the type of, um, technique they employed to, to, to stop the read option. Um, but usually also the linebackers have to have some sort of, um, play on that as well. You don't want to get over influenced, um, in the, uh, <laughs> in the, uh, in the run game, but right now they're paying, they're giving absolutely no, no respect to Braxton, keeping it in the read option. Um, None. What we just saw there was a little jet motion, little option play. Trey Lance runs it. Watch what happens right here. Just that's beautiful. All right, Brian. That was a great play by the offensive line, by the uh, silverback himself just killing somebody. Let's talk about our offensive line. It's a patchwork right now, buddy. Uh, <laughs> we had we had Lasita Smith slide over to left tackle this week. Um, we had Brock slide over to left guard. Uh, then we had Johnny Jordan at center. We had Caden Moore at right guard. And then we had Luke Tenuta out there at right tackle back to his old stomping grounds. So it it was, it was definitely a, a switch up there and there were some good things I saw with this new lineup. There were some bad, um, I mean the good, I think Lasita Smith held up as good as any tackle that we've played this whole season. So good job there. Uh, (laughs) 
I didn't see any major problems with in, in pass pro for him. Um, there was a couple. I think Braxton took maybe one or two hits because because of it, but he, I don't think he gave up a sack. Did, did a pretty good job holding it down. Um, Brock had a better game not having to, to play tackle, so good, good for him. Um, we still had a little bit more penetration uh, than I'd like to on, on the runs, and that kind of stopped some of what we were trying to do on the interior there. So I think some of that is a work in progress. Um, you're probably not getting quite as as good of a interior combo with moving Lasitas out out there to, to tackle. The interior is probably taking a little step back here. Okay. Um, can, I, can I ask this question? Yeah. Do you see a better combo being when Silas comes back? Because it was mentioned that they don't think his foot is a long-term deal. I hear that. I think he's probably back by Notre Dame because that would be essentially three weeks help out. Yep. Do you see us coming back and going to Nuda, Lasitas, Johnny, Brock, Silas? That's the big question, man. Um, I think Tanuda is the better of the two between Silas and 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 Luke um it's gonna it's gonna be tough man because we we said at the beginning of the year that depth especially tackle depth is the problem and we're already seeing it you know four games in um it 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 didn't take very long and we knew that they we would have some ability to swap guys around so I feel like we're we're still we're not underwater yet but we're, we're officially in treading water mode until silas is good to go again and even then i think there's still some question marks about what that that line that's going to look like is tanuda moving back over like what what are we going to see there um yeah i mean because tanuda has had ups and downs at left tackle he hasn't looked great he hasn't looked awful he's just looked mid and that's kind of what what we thought he was going to be at left tackle is, is because it, unless we saw him take a big step, you know, pass pro was still a problem for him last year, and it's been a little bit of a problem this year. He hasn't taken a, a big step; it's been a baby step. And unfortunately, that's when you lose a, a Christian Darisaw, who was in pass pro as good as they get, probably the best left tackle last year in college football because he didn't give up so, any pressure. I mean that that's a that's a big drop off, and you know some of that has hurt Braxton's play. Um, I think, you know, when we saw Braxton play last year, the end of last year, he was playing behind. At that point, we had gotten as healthy as we had been all year on the offensive line, and the offensive line was a strength of ours throughout the year. It was, but. At that point, and you usually don't see it that late, but the offensive line had actually gotten back into healthy because we had missed Tenuta for several games during the year because of one because of COVID. He had a nick at one point. Um, We had other guys that were kind of in and out because of COVID, in and out for other reasons. And we had finally gotten what it seemed like as as healthy, and, and we saw behind that Braxton having some success. And so I don't know if the not being comfortable in the pocket is an extension of this line, just not being what, what, what last year's was or what, but 
True. It'll be interesting to see what, what it looks like once Silas is healthy again, whether we stick with Lasitas at one of the tackle positions or whether something else happens. I got it. It's going to be really interesting to see what line rolls out come Notre Dame. Which yeah. combination um, do you go with? Again, I think Caden Morse played solid for a redshirt freshman. Or is it, again, do they make that sort of change to where, like, listen, we need to get our A's in gear. And you know what? Lasitas is our – our better combo is to go Lasitas left to new to right. We'll put Silas down at right guard. We'll keep Johnny at center, and we'll let Brock play left guard. Or something in that combination. Um, because I don't think the offensive line has been terrible this year. No, it, it, it's it's just year. been it's been a okay. roller coaster. It's, it's been a roller coaster, and I think that's that's the big issue is that you, you you don't know what to expect from it snap by snap because they'll have a have one snap where they they're doing everything right, and then they turn around and you know you got pressure that's blowing yep. up a running play, or you got somebody coming unblocked off the edge and 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 sacking. Braxton. I mean, there's there's just so many inconsistent plays, and not just the inconsistency that you see over the course of a standard game, but just really, really high highs and low lows. Very true, man. Well, let's say this, Brian. Two guys that, when they get the balls in their hands, have done it very well this year. Trey and Tay, both really good days catching the ball. Trey over 100. Um, Tay with 76, and then you don't take on top of what he did in the punt game, over 140 yards from scrimmage. And it's, again, some people say, well, we don't have talent and we can't. When you get these guys in the right positions, and today they were put, or yesterday they were put in the right position, we can can have nice things. Yeah. The, The question is, is they don't get put in the right positions enough. We actually ran some, well, I should say initially on the first drive, we ran some routes over the middle of the field, and then they completely went away for a quarter and a half. And then we finally went back another post. Uh, we had a dig and we had a, a, a slant. And I'm like, we can throw to the middle again? Because <laughs> I, I thought I thought somebody upstairs said, all right, we're not throwing in the middle the rest of the damn game. Everything's outside the numbers. Uh, we finally started throwing back to the middle of the field and we started getting a little bit more success. The problem was, is that nothing was sustained and, you know, Trey had about three big plays and, and was pretty steady throughout the day. Um, you know, Tay had a couple balls that were thro- that he, where he was open and the ball wasn't thrown well to him. A couple other plays where he was open, it just didn't get there. Um, so, I mean, these are, these are good days that could have been great days. Uh, if we would have been a little bit more consistent um, execution-wise. And, you know, what can we say about Tay on that that kick return? I mean, that punt return. I mean, that was just got wide, cut up field, cut back, touchdown. And uh, It was beautiful. It was absolutely beautiful to watch. And and that punter got completely railed on the sideline because he outkicked his coverage and then he did a a very bad job of – being the uh, the last, the last line of defense, <laughs> punters aren't last lines of defense, Brian. But again, those two guys with great days. All right, let's go to gigantic screw ups or 
what the hell moments. Let's first of all, I listened to the presser afterwards. The fake punt Fuente took absolutely a thousand percent responsibility for. Um, he said that they had noticed that with Richmond, anytime they punted, their gunners essentially left their guys. Yeah. So they would just leave their guys. I'm assuming setting up blocking. He says, we punted the first time and they did it. So on the second time when we punted, we felt there was an opportunity there. And then he said, kind of, and he, the way he said it, you can hear his voice it was more of a joking thing of Peter had slung the ball good all week when we were trying these fakes. Hell, I told him, you know, if you hadn't thrown the ball so good all week, I wouldn't even thought about, you know, calling for it. Calls for <laughs> the guys open. It's a bad pass. You yeah, know, I think it was Dorian Strong. He was he was targeted yes, there. Bad pass. And, I mean, he came open just like they they had seen on tape. And you know, I think the the weird thing is number one, you felt the need to do that. Number two, did you rep? I mean, did you rep it enough where where Moore was comfortable with it? Because obviously. Was he there. didn't look ready to throw a, a 25 yard pass. <laughs> no, it looks, it, it looks horrible when he actually did it. Um, listen, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that because if, and, and here's, here's to keep the mindset is as we get into these tougher games, if the pass is completed, actually, regardless, whether the pass was completed or incomplete. Every time we are in a plus situation, what was it, plus 42? I think that's where we were. That sound right? Sounds about up, right. Let me pull up the, the summary here on my phone. Efforting, 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 efforting. Is it right here? Yes, second punt. We were at their 41. So we were in plus territory. I think what you can do by putting it on tape, regardless of outcome, is if it's a situation like that in the plus territory and you go back and show punt, there does have to be a respect, right? There has to be a respect to show, okay, listen, these dummies, you know, they ran a fake punt against Richmond. Would they do it against us? Let's let's play let's play a prevent or let's play a very cautious um, punt return or punt block. I'm okay with that. And I'm also okay sure, with the ownership. Yeah, I, I've got no problem with the ownership. Uh, I've got a problem with you've got Notre Dame up next. And I would much rather them not show their hand and spring something like that against Notre Dame. And whether okay. it work or not, then put it on tape and maybe gain an extra – five to seven yards of field position because they honored the, uh, the, uh, the fake. That's, that's all. all. But where they punted from Brian, five to seven yards could mean being from the 10 to being at like the two. So, you know, I can argue with you that way because the way the defense is played, if you tell me we have a team with a quarterback like Jack Cone who can't run, we could probably get him down in the end zone or something. Yeah, but if we're kicking from the 41, I like Peter Moore's chances of getting it okay. down there regardless of, of what's happening. <laughs> Got it. Got you. Got you. Because he is a stud. All right, let's go to the other mind-boggling thing. I didn't get to see this live. 
So, Brian, we're inside the 10-yard line. It's only a 7 nothing game. Yep. We come out of commercial, and they talk about Knox Kadem at quarterback. Let me ask the first words or the first thing that popped in your mind. What the hell are we doing? <laughs> um, and and this is no knock on Knox. I mean, I thought this was a game where, and even based on the, the explanation we got, regardless of score, getting Knox snaps would have been a good thing in this game. The problem is when you did it. You did it when you're only up a touchdown, so the game is definitely not in hand. Nope. And you did it inside the 10. 10. Well, and this is where I feel like it was more of the different tone to Brad because he said it in the presser. The timing of him going in was not prescribed. Um, you know, it wasn't a deal where one guy has to be looking over his shoulder. The facts were he was going to play and he was going to win. The whole not prescribed thing is they hadn't determined before. Yeah, this wasn't third drive or fourth drive, whatever it was, Knox is going in. This was, yeah. for whatever reason, they decided that this was the best time to put in Knox Kadem. Well, and the question is, who decided? Yeah, it, it sounds like it wasn't. Foo. <laughs> no, no, no. Just because of the way he said it right there. Fuente's <laughs> decision. But again, he sounds like he lets Brad do, do what he wants. Um, yeah. And, and, so, and he, I mean, th that was the big thing because he gets down there and I feel like the, the, the play calling wasn't great. We had a the, the where he threw the pick. It was kind of like a little quick sprint, right? Yeah. Which a quick sprint on the six yard line puts you in the end zone and he was getting bared down on and didn't throw the, the, the route on time. And then once he saw he was in the end zone and might take a sack panicked and chucked it, chucked it. And it, it was, it was about two seconds too late. If he'd have thrown that on time, it would have probably been a completion, but he threw it late uh, corner undercut the route or sorry, safety undercut the route. And, and you got a, got an interception. If he takes it on his third step from sprinting and puts it at Tay, it's a 15-yard gain. Yeah. And all is all is well, but he didn't, and essentially it set up their only touchdown of the day. Um, and Fuente went on like, oh, he's got to be secure. It's like you put the backup in a terrible – y'all put the backup in a terrible situation. Yeah. If you're, if you're a good head coach, when you see Knox coming – going out there or coming to you to discuss. And I don't know how that would go since it was, you know, it wasn't the beginning of a drive. It was a punt. I know things are done differently. I would have went on my headset. Let me put my headset on here. What the hell are you thinking? Um, Knox isn't going to go out here at the 10. If we're at the 40, yeah, let, let's let him go. We're at the 10-yard line. This is a one-touchdown game. And essentially it, 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 it made the game even more uncomfortable than it was. So. Yeah, and the pro the problem that I had with that is that when you bring in a quarterback, your second string quarterback, what you want to do is give him some play calls that get him comfortable. When you're at the six yard line, you cannot make those calls. Everything is tight, and <laughs> you made tight calls, and then he played tight because he was put in the situation where he's almost set up to fail. It was. A I show. hate that for Knox. I, I mean, regardless of the outcome of the game or how it impacted the game, I hate that for Knox and his confidence because you put him in a scenario where he either 
feels really good or really bad about himself. There wasn't going to be any sort of middle ground there, right? Well, he was either going to he was either going to throw them out of of the shadow of their own goalpost, or he's going to make the play he made and not really not see the field the rest of the game. Exactly. And, and that's the unfortunate thing there because you, you put him in that scenario where more than likely he's going to, he's going to have a failure. So I don't like that at exactly. all. Well, Brian, we, we finally saw the third quarterback again this week. Connor Brumwich scores a touchdown. And all I thought was when I saw that, where the hell was that when we played West Virginia fourth and one inside the five, like, it, it Which bothered. time inside the five? All three of them? Huh? No, every time. Well, hold, on, hold on, take this back. Go to especially when we were down inside the three twice. Yep. That's when it just it boggles me because you saw the play we ran, easy touchdown. I want to make a bet that Glumrick would have probably got it in at least once, if not twice, if put in those situations. Again, guy running the show, don't know what he's doing. But can we just can we continue to use the guy right, Brian? You mean situationally, like we've been calling for that we were calling for for two years when Quincy Patterson was here, and we were calling yes. for uh, against West Virginia, and we were saying from from Jump Street. Let I mean, Braxton's not the biggest quarterback in the world. Um, you know, you're already gun shy on the read option. If you want to actually have some of those elements in the offense, you need to get Connor Blumberg on the field as much as you can. Absolutely. This is all I'm going to say. Notre Dame game in two weeks. If we are third and one or fourth and one or inside the three and Connor's not in with some sort of play, I'm going to swing by your house, middle of the game. We're just going to turn on the radio. We'll listen to Lays, Burnup, and Wes. We're going to drive to Blacksburg, and we're going to sit outside Merriman. We're going to wait for Brad to come out and be like, seriously, like perfect situation. Exactly. (laughs) All right, well, Brian, all is not lost. The defense played exceptionally well again. And I tell you, the more I watch this defense, this defense is reminding me of the 2016 defense. Not one of the elite defenses. Not not, not what 17 was or the mid-2000s or the, you know, late 90s. But it's reminding me of 2016 where – that defense gave up roughly about 22 points a game. Yep. About, I think they were 29th or 30th in total defense. So they, you know, that upper third of the uh, thing. This is what they're really reminded me of because they're bend on break. You can get some yards on them, but eventually you're going to get to a point in the field you can't. Get to a point in the field you can't. Get to a point in the field where they make a play. Yep. And now you're either out of field goal range or you uh, you, you forced a turnover. Yep. Um, we've seen that a couple times so far with this defense, where you know they get they get inside the thirty, but all of a sudden they end up fourth down. They're they're back at the 32, 33 yard line. Um, forced a couple turnovers once they cross the fifty. So I mean, you like what the defense is doing on that regard. Uh, still, really good play out of Waller. Uh, mm-hmm. Solid play out of. Uh, Dax, um, Tisdale was a little more up down. He had a good game, but Tisdale was, was up and down in terms of his, uh, his gap fits. 
Um, but overall, good game. He he uh, he had a good game uh, with with his tackling. Um, tackling overall was improved this week. It wasn't as good as I'd like to see, but definitely a lot better than it was against West Virginia. Uh, did, I mentioned this earlier, and I don't think you ever answered, so I'm going to put you on the spot. If we bring the tackling game this week to last week, is it a different outcome? It's close. I mean, it, okay. it, it's it's hard to tell. It's hard to tell. Um, okay. It's hard to tell. Because yeah. last week we just gave up some – Just it was those, like, the crippling first downs. Like, you see what we did this week, like that Chamari where he tried to take that shot – some of the tackles he had this week, if that was the tackle there, they don't get that first down. Yeah. They don't go on yeah. the score. Yeah. Um, what else? I, I got a couple points of worry. Tell me if I'm right or wrong, Brian. The running okay. QB, that kind of scared me. Some of the plays, he got good. And just in general, some of the run, some of the gashes. And I know it's – and at certain points in time, we were mixing and matching, you know, trying to get some guys – some reps. Um, so, you know, it was a different sort of depth. I know I saw Keyshawn out there. I saw some of the younger defensive linemen out there. Should I be worried about those things? Um, I'd say overall, I, I would be too worried. Um, okay. I, I, the running quarterback, I know that was kind of an, a little bit of an anomaly because the first big run that their starting quarterback got injured on, um, that was kind of a busted play that he just kind of made something happen. Um, so sometimes things like that happen. I mean, that that's just not, that's not something that I would be overly concerned about. There were a couple um, QB runs where we were just a little bit out of position. Uh, but overall, I mean, we, we, we probably had the face, the better of the, uh, rushing quarterbacks yep. uh, uh, on that roster and and did a pretty good job of, of holding him uh, in check for most of the game. Um, I'd like to see us be a little bit better in some of our uh, fits in the run game. We had a couple, couple spots where we were uh, out of the gap and they were able to kind of get to the second level and our safeties had to make a play. Uh, one in particular uh, where I, I – can't remember which safety it was, but they had to kind of make a shoestring tackle to avoid a, uh, a touchdown run um, right up the gut. So we got to do better about that. So All that's right. got to get cleaned up. But overall, it was good, but we can't let one or two misfires turn into really big plays that, that cost us the game because we don't – if our offense keeps playing like this, we don't have a ton of room for error. Um, no. And, and big sudden plays are, are going to be bad for us because yep. we, we've seen that if we get into the tighter area, we tend to bow up and, and force field goals. We can't let them score from, from 40 plus yards out. Yep. And the next eight games, the way we're seeing teams is it can happen. And um, one guy got back in the stat column this week, saw him a little more in the action was Amari Barno. Definitely got to get him back to what he was doing early. I mean, team could key in on him, though, man. You can just see it in every snap. They know where he is, and they are adjusting to him. They're keying on him. They're running at him in the in the rush game. Uh, I will say I saw him doing some good things in terms of when he was blocked, he kept working. Um, he ran down um, a running back down the field. <laughs> 
like eight yards downfield. He he walked him down. Um, So yeah, that, that, that was impressive. Just seeing him flash that athleticism is, is pretty, pretty impactful. And I'm hoping that he gets a little bit more involved um, in the kind of the tackle for loss game. Like we, we saw him in in game one, because, you know, we saw that game and we're like, all right, this is what we're going to get all year. And we haven't really, really seen that since, since UNC. Um, and some of that, it looks like UNC's offensive line is just bad. True. <laughs> they're veteran as hell and they're just bad. <laughs> they're not a good offensive line whatsoever. All right, Brian, last night, me, you dropped a poll out on the Twitter sphere, got over 100 votes. And basically, we were asking Hokie Nation out on Twitter that our followers, you know, after the Richmond game and after the first month of the season, where do you feel with the last eight games of the season? And, you know, the answers were three or less, four, five or six or more. And, um, Brian, me and you already talked about it. I went nine at the beginning of the season. I felt good about it after the first. I felt good about it even after West Virginia. I'm at four now because now you've seen Syracuse is better than we thought. Yeah. Pitt is better than we thought or we think. I don't know what Pitt is. It's like Georgia Tech when you're picking. They're an anomaly for you. Pitt lives and dies by how good of a game Kenny Pickett can have against any given defense. Um, they, they really, they still don't have a running game. Their offensive line is still suspect. Their defense is not as good as it was last year. Um, but if Penny, if Kenny Pickett goes out and has a good game, they're potentially going to have a chance to win. Um, and especially when they play lesser competition, like they did this week. Um, but you said it, Syracuse, their defense looks good. Their running game is on track. Um, Georgia tech has been playing Significantly, Who shows up is the Georgia Tech yet? Who is it is it is it first two weeks Georgia Tech or is it last two weeks Georgia Tech? Because they're completely different teams. Exactly. Um, top to bottom, completely different teams. Um, so, UVA, um, I'm going to just say this: that might be the worst defense in the country. I mean, it's up there. If you talk about the four, I it's feel- the worst power. It might be the worst power five defense in the country. I mean, it's not even a joke. <laughs> I don't. I don't think that's that much of a hyperbole. We're both. Uh, they, they can't get pressure on the quarterback anymore, and their secondary is god awful, garbage. All right. So just so you, if you guys are knowing where other people are standing, four is the winner at thirty five percent. Yep. Second, kind of shocking to me was five wins at twenty eight percent, three or less at twenty five percent, and there is. About 10 people who voted in this that say we can win six or more. What a cackle on that. Um, so there got, are- some, got some positive folks out there. 10% of y'all are, are, are still leaning positive. I, I'm right at, I'm saying four. I could see five. Um, I could, you know what? I'll be, I'll, and this is the true optimist in me. If we hear that there are significant changes being made on offense, I think I can lean more to a higher side. But I don't have faith in that. And that's why I got to stick with four saying we'll probably beat UVA. We'll probably beat Georgia Tech just because I think the defense on those two games. Um, Kenny Pickett has nightmares of Lane Stadium. So I, I think he does. Kenny Pickett hates playing in Lane. 
Um, I'd feel better about Georgia Tech if we were playing in lane. I feel better about Syracuse only Wait, because we're playing in lane. Are you huh? No, that, that's an, that's right. It's one of the screwed up ones. They get back to back home games. Yep, because of COVID. Okay, all right. So we're feeling a seven and five season coming on unless changes are made and implemented. All right, buddy. Um, did you watch so, any of the Ryder Cup? I watched some of it. I watched some of it. I know you watched a lot of it. All day Friday. You digested it. I digested it. Uh, Saturday, as much as we could before we had some um, afternoon activities. And then when I came back, continued to watch it. Um, it literally was on my, like I told I told y'all Thursday night, it was on the big screen here at the house. Um yeah. And then today, literally from lunchtime until they were doing the presser and the guys had their champagne bottle. The U.S. team, by the way, um, unbelievable. And it's a core group. I know I'm being golf nerdy. The oldest person on that team is 37, and the youngest is 24. Essentially, this is a team that for the next four Ryder Cups could be together. And they're good. And they're passionate. And they've got fight in them, and they've got grit in them. But they also have the whole. I, I, I listen to Patrick Cantlay. Like Patrick Cantlay is just like cold blooded. Like he was like, we want to bleep and put twenty on them today. And it's like Jesus. Like we want to break the scoring record. We yep. want to blow them out of the water. And it's just like this is great. But to me, the other part that was really awesome, and it happens every Ryder Cup when they whoever wins gets absolutely hammered, hammered from the time the last match ends until about hour and 20 minutes later, the press conference. And it's like the best press conference of the year. Oh, yeah. So uh, I, I saw that uh, Brooks and Bryson hugged it out. Hugged it out. Uh, and you know what? I think maybe having two guys who have a little feud going on might be one of those good things for a team. Because what, what essentially for a – if you're the captain, it's like, okay, I got to get these guys on the same page before I worry about anything else. And once I get yeah. them on the same page, then we start working with the other details um, and whatnot. But great win, 18 to 9, essentially a unbelievable route. And, you know, now I got to wait two years, and in two years I'll be getting up. I think it's in Rome. So that yep. means it started <laughs> like 3 a.m. And I will be up at like – I might not make it the first hour, but I'll be at least be up by 4 a.m. watching it. It's because you're a crazy person, but I respect it. Golf <laughs> is just it's it's you know it's just one of it's one of those sports for me. It's hey, the time Brian, difference for me. <laughs> well, hey, listen, there are only a few times a year I wake up that late or that early to watch events. So, you know, I'm not like out here at you know, every Thursday waking up at 3 a.m. watching the Euro Tour on Golf Channel. Yeah. Although, you know, if someone paid me to, like golf, you know, anybody out there have a golf publication, I'd wake up at 3 and do it if you want to pay me. <laughs> hey, buddy, I'm 500. I'm 500 now. Nice. You are two games above 500 in the Saturday Pick'ems. Yes, sir. All right, let's roll through the list here. Brian, you started off with a rough Friday night. You took UVA. You laid the four. It was probably a good feeling of losing, though, I'm going to guess. Yeah, I was like, okay, well, I mean, 
Wake's a, a somewhat like I, I think I said it even on the on the podcast when we recorded. Like Wake's a likable team, so if the, if I lose that one, I'm fine with that one. Um, you know, Wake's looking like you know potentially the, 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 the team in the Atlantic. We'll see uh, how that shakes out. Um, I guess them or BC uh, with Clemson in there, but I mean we actually have some drama in the Atlantic this year, so you like to see that. Yeah, I chose Wake because, again, you cannot have that bad of a defense. I don't care how good your offense is. Your offense is going to have to score every possession. I think Wake didn't have to punt until, like, late third, which is yeah. insane. All right, the next one we both nailed. Hugh Freeze and Malik Willis at Liberty go up to the Dome and find out playing at that place is just not fun. Cuse wins outright. You said it earlier, Brian. Their defense looked good. Their run game looks in shape. Um, and you know, that game, luckily it is at lane. It is not at the dome this year. Thank yep. God. That that's the big thing we can hang our hat on is that yes, Syracuse looks better than we thought. Um, they at least look competent. Even, I mean, I don't think they're going to make any, any sort of noise anywhere, but they're, they're, they're not an easy out anymore. And having them at lane, I think is going to work in our favor. I think we'll have enough enough juice to uh to get through that one but it's definitely it's not one that i'm necessarily saying book a win anymore no no it's going to be probably a it's probably gonna be an ugly defensive war unless we made changes by then all right brian you went with the acc i went with the sec bc pulls out the overtime win um and and i need to see more about mizzou um than BC because B- I want to see how bad Mizzou is now because the two P5 teams they've played, they've lost to Kentucky, they lost to BC. So are they really just a bad team or what? Um, but, hey, you, you believed in BC and you nailed that one, man. Yeah, and I mean, I, and I don't think Kentucky is a bad team either. I mean, they're sitting – um, what they are four and zero so far. So I mean, I know they yeah, haven't played a ton of. They beat I mean, they, they, they they beat a still like, rebuilding South Carolina team. They beat Mizzou and they beat yeah. Chattanooga and Louisiana Monroe. So yeah, all right. The next one was one we didn't even take any time to pull the trigger for. Louisville blows doors off of SSU. FSU might win one game this year. If, if they don't beat UMass, I don't maybe think two. It's, it, Who are you giving them? One or two? You can't give them Syracuse anymore. You can't. Yeah, give them that's Florida. true. I mean, I mean, you can't give. You definitely can't give them Florida. Um, so there, um, NC State essentially pulling the huge upset over Clemson. Clemson. How much of that game did you watch? Uh, most of it. All right, everybody's talking about, oh, well, DJ's not that good. and the, yada. Their offensive line looks worse than ours. It, it definitely looks not what it should, um, and that's, that's part of what's holding them back. DJ's play overall is holding them back. Um, I think – they're not as deep at wide receiver as they're used to. 
Uh, there's just a lot of factors. Their defense is still good, but their defense isn't going to win them games when they play teams that can still at least put up 20 points against them. Bingo, bingo, bongo. That's the honest truth right there, man. So we we take an L together on that one. Um, I hate Duke. I I swear I'm not picking (laughs) Duke. That game, I looked at that game in the third quarter like, I got this. This looks good. Kansas at 16 and Kansas was like up or down like one. I'm like, Duke's going to win the game. Duke just like opened the floodgates the last quarter. So good job, Ryan. Good job, Ryan. Duke has been – I what I picked against them one time, and ever since then I've been. I was like, I'm not gonna pick against Duke anymore. I'm just gonna go with Duke every time. Now the other one, it got you again. Yeah, I told Son you, hangover. Bitch. I told you, hangover. You didn't want to believe me. Brian doesn't believe in hangovers. Um, Georgia Tech laid the smackdown on UNC, and now it looks like anyone with a serviceable defense is probably gonna beat UNC, or at worst, be in a shootout with them. Um, so. You know, but Brian's anomaly is Georgia Tech. Literally, we might take those off the board for ourselves. <laughs> yeah, t- unless we're playing them, Duke and Georgia Tech are off the I'm board. Not going to discuss them at all. <laughs> all right. Now, the last couple, the big games of the weekend, we both took the Irish against Wisconsin and Chicago. That looked iffy going to the fourth and then just. Notre Dame went insane in the fourth quarter. Well, let, let's let's compare this because that game kind of went the same way Wisconsin played Ohio State, right? Penn State. Penn State. They didn't play Ohio Yeah, State. sorry, Penn State. Penn State. Sorry, yeah. yeah. So. Um, except, except Notre Dame, every time they touched the ball that late, they, uh, they scored a touchdown <laughs> where Penn State couldn't get itself moving against them. Yep. So craziness there. And then Arkansas and Sam Pittman, they're for real. Yeah. They're for real. We were on top of that one. Um, Yeah. I I, I was thinking Arkansas could win that one outright. And I mean, they went out there and they they stuck it to A&M, man. Exactly. And then finally, the big game Saturday night, West Virginia, Oklahoma. We both took Oklahoma. Oklahoma, I don't know what's wrong with them. I didn't see enough of that game Saturday night. I saw a piece of it here and there. Saw the ending, botch snap, West Virginia. West Virginia essentially should have won that game, probably lost to Tech. So their karma is kind of balancing out there. Um, you know, we took the L on that. It's just yeah. – I'd rather be on the other side of that. <laughs> Damn right, yeah. West Virginia was going to be a two-loss team. I wish it would have been, you know, we'd have been one of those lo- uh, losses. But we should, we'll you know have- what? You know what? I mean, I think one of the things that's shown is that West Virginia is, at least on defense, a, a damn good, good defense. We scored more points than a Vaughn. I mean, if they, it, you know, so they've got two losses, but one of those is to Maryland where they gave them a short field two times, and they've actually got a quarterback that can throw the ball downfield. Yep. And, you know, they, they took an L to Oklahoma that went down to the wire in a low-scoring affair. In Norman. In yeah, Norman. in they Norman. They did that in Norman. They didn't do that. And they're, they're, they have not been historically a good road team no. in the last several years. So Very the true. fact that they, 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 they took a game that, that was big and, and took that team to the wire was good for them, even though we're not sure – 
how good this Oklahoma team. And let's since we're here, let's talk about just college football as a whole, man, because there's about three teams that I trust right now, and then everybody else. I trust Bama, I trust Uga, and I trust Oregon. Those are the only three teams that if they're playing a game where they have any sort of advantage, that I'd say, okay, they're probably going to win that game. Yep. Everybody else, it is the – right now the way it looks is the fourth playoff spot, no one knows. No one wants it. I mean, no one wants it. You've had every other team that normally is at least in this conversation through at least mid-October, if not early November, already has one loss. Well, they already have a loss. Some of them have two losses. Some have two, and then those without what oh, – that's garbage. I'm sorry. Watch Fred Warner's play. They called a P.I. on him, but it's not. But anyway, and then you have like your Ohio States, right? Yeah. Lost to Oregon already at home, kind of got dominated, trying to do quarterback changes. Just the way they've looked against um, their last two opponents have just – and even the way they looked against Minnesota. In Minnesota, oh, God, that loss makes it look even worse. Yeah. I mean, it's, it is it is a true – Week, to, week to week, I have I have no confidence. Like, we, we just ran through a pick them, and I'm leaning – at least pick an ACC – I at least am in my comfort zone. Um, but even there, it's it's dicey. Georgia Tech doing stuff you don't expect. Duke doing stuff you don't expect. Um, you know, Louisville being a little bit better than we thought they were out the gate. BC still having a solid team despite losing their starting quarterback. Yeah. I mean, there's so many unpredictable things that are happening. UNC with two conference losses already. I mean, NC State beating Clemson. Um, True, man. All all of this is just it's shit that we didn't see to start the season. Usually, college football is unpredictable, but not this unpredictable. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this at you before we sign off tonight. This has every makings of 2007. Yeah, every makings of 2007. That's all I'm gonna say. I think it's gonna be some stuff that happens these next two months. You know what? Whether you whether you, if you love the team, you know what? Joseph Fuente, make the change. Make yourself the play caller. Let's win out. Let's make the playoffs. <laughs> Brian's like, yeah, no. <laughs> I I just need to see signs of life from the offense where we can consistently move the ball in the passing game, do decent things in the running game, and. At least average. I mean, right now, our points per game average is garbage. We need to at least get close to thirty. Oh, go yeah, we're a full. We're a full. Actually, we're more than a touchdown away from that. Yeah. Well, y'all come in, come in Wednesday night. We're not going to be here next Sunday. We're not playing, so we're gonna we're gonna take a bye week as well. But come in Wednesday night, and what we're going to take a look at, guys, is we're just going to do a. We're going to do a review of what was looked like the first four games. So, y'all come back Wednesday night. Brian, anything dropped? Did anybody get fired? Not um, yet, man. Still got a Monday presser, though. There's got a Monday hope. presser. Uh, Mike Zimmer saved his job today, I'm pretty sure. Um, and you know what, Brian? Let's wrap it. 
I'm Curtis Wilson. I'm Brian Siegler. Visit our website at BoundaryCornerVT.com to listen to all of our episodes while you are there. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Subscribe on our YouTube or your favorite podcast source, including Spotify, Amazon, or Apple Podcast. Please, 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 we ask you, rate the show. It's a very simple drop down now right at the main menu. Give us what you think. Give us feedback. We always look forward to it. If you have anything you want to ask, any questions, bottom right corner is the orange microphone. Click it. Tell us who you are, where you're from, or your Twitter handle or something. And if you've got any questions, we're willing to answer them. Anything else from the new website, Brian? I think we're good to go, man. You covered pretty much everything there. So, yeah, just hit us up. Um, we'll be glad to uh, – if you want to throw some hot takes out there in the Terra Dome hot takes, uh, a lot of times we try to get those on the air. If we get enough of them, we get enough good ones. So uh, feel free to leave any feedback you got for us. We'll uh, we'll take it to heart and keep it moving. All right. As always, we let our buddy Jason Long. He plays us in. He plays us out. Catch him on Spotify and Apple Music. We thank you, as always, for listening. Um, pretty big milestone last weekend, Brian. 10,000 listens, buddy. Yes, sir. Could not have done this without you guys out there listening and following us. We really appreciate it. We're just two guys who love Hokie football. Brian is, as always, bud. Let's go. Hokies.